Hi, um, James here. We're co-presenter of The Kitchen Is On Fire. The Kitchen Is On Fire. And I'm Sam from The Kitchen Is On Fire. A.K.A. Ticky Off. Um, we'd really appreciate it if, if you could support the podcast, if you've been enjoying it, by liking it on iTunes, maybe leaving a review if you can, leaving a five-star review if you can even do that. Um, maybe just follow us on Instagram, at Ticky Off. Um, we'd be really delighted. Hit us up with any questions you might have on there and, and such forth. We really, really appreciate your time and uh, your caring. Care about us. We care about you. Thanks. Goodbye. Hello, I'm thinking about drop. Drop's a funny word. You can drop a lot of things. You can drop in on somebody. You can drop a tab of acid. You can drop the soap. And you can drop it like it's hot. There's only one drop I'm interested in, and it's the Drop Wine app. It's a London-based wine delivery service. Mm-hmm. I remember when I had to walk to the shops to buy a bottle of mass-produced hangover-inducing wine in the cold, in the dead, dead cold... Now I just hip-hop onto the Drop Wine app. I order some wine from their independent producers and a selection of 150 bottles. Maybe I'll add a couple of cheeky beers and a piece of Comte to the order. And then I'll look forward to receiving my wine within the hour. Oh God, what a service. Download at dropwine.co.uk and enter the promo code KITCHENONFIRE at the checkout to enjoy £10 off your first order. Happy, happy days. You know, technique is like mix it, bake it. What the fuck? You know, it's not. <laughs> it's bloody February and I've got hay fever and I'm getting a bit cross about life, Sam. It's really bringing me down emotionally. Is it February? Ooh, now <laughs> it's not. By this point, what are we in? Mid March. Mid March. Mid March matters. <laughs> Well, that's to me. So I'm really sorry, listeners. I'll really try not to sniff, and I'll try not to talk through my nose. Talk from the stomach. Let's talk from the stomach. Sam, do you want a kombucha update? Yeah, paint me a scoby picture. So I picked up the scoby last week from Tom, my friend Tom, from whom I was collecting said scoby. They're very strange-looking things. They kind of look like a ghost, it's got to be said. Right. But we're not talking about those anymore. Um, Despite the fact that there was a people's vote. If you imagined a giant... Um, what a, if a giant had poor eyesight and wore contact lenses and then left said contact lens in, in, in a bucket of... That's Whoa. kind of what it looks like. Crumbs. And it floats around atop your kombucha um, going nom, 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 on the sugar in there, which is... The fermentation process. Uh, so I've been looking after this scoby slash kombucha. Well, you looking after scoby by making kombucha with it. And uh, it's you, early are, days. You, are you allowed to do that? Um, are you allowed to do what? Well, you're you're drain. Are you not draining the power of his scoby by making kombucha from it? Nice, no, sir. It's not like energon cubes in Transformers. No, no, it's like any bacteria. You just need to keep feeding it, and then eventually it's eaten enough, so you drain off the kombucha that you made when you feel, on your personal level, that uh, the level of sugar is kind of how you want it to be. So you don't want it too sweet, you don't want it too tart. Then you pour it off, Sam. At this point, 
you add a little bit of sugar for the second fermentation process, much like they do in Champagne, right. unless it's a zero dosage wine for a real brute effect. Wow. Do you ever wear brute? That was really... No. no? So you... Yeah, so you add a little more sugar for the second fermentation. This is what then creates the carbon dioxide sound. This is how you get your fizz. Right. But also at this juncture, this is when you can bang in some sweet flavours. Right. So what am I doing? I'm doing some rosemary kombucha. I'm doing some jalapeno kombucha. And I'm doing a rhubarb. Surprised you didn't do a leek kombucha or a codsrow kombucha or a cauliflower kombucha. Because I like those things too. They're your favourite things. Get a grip. Get a grip. Don't be disgusting. You need to grip. I thought harder. I, th- I don't know what is wrong with me because I was like, I'll do a buckwheat one, and then I had to remind myself you don't again. Like, yeah. I don't like buckwheat. <laughs> it's just a fun ingredient to go with. A buckwheat so. brew um, for two. Well, that's exciting stuff. I've also been making porridge, Alex Healy Hutchinson style. Oh yeah, yeah. How is it? Butter, brown sugar, caramel created on top. Wonderful. I've got to say, Alex Healy Hutchinson. I currently, I'm going to blame her because I. The day after that podcast, the morning after, I went to 26 Grains and bought a bowl of porridge, the Nordic Pear. The Nordic Pear, the classic, the, the OG. Classic. Yeah, the OG. And um, it was delicious, but immediately as I started eating it, my tooth started hurting. And then, as we heard the other day, I had to have my tooth out. Mm. So I'm going to blame her tragic. for it. It really was tragic. Coming apart of the seams, James. I mean, if- if porridge is making your teeth fall out, then they're in a pretty bad yeah, shape. That's true. But there's a lot of seedy nonsense it's in like, there. Oh, I it? went and bought some Brighton Rock and my tooth came out. Yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, that's true. No, I mean, it's my own fault. I mean, listeners, look after your teeth. You don't want to get them pulled out. It sucks. Do you not look after your teeth? No, mate. Well, I haven't over my uh, my life, I don't think. Do you kind of go like, oh, I mean, they say twice a day for two minutes, but that's probably excessive. Once a day, briefly. No, I think now, now it's fine, but it was, you know, the when you haven't had those habits from a child, you end up mm. with gross teeth. I have gross teeth. If I had a load of money, I'd get them all done. But I say that, having had this tooth pulled out, I'm a bit like, I wouldn't, I'd be petrified of having to go through all the carnage. And it's just destroyed my immune system, James. I've had two green juices today in an attempt to make myself better but it didn't seem to be interesting that's the vibe James Mm. I need to come clean ooh I need to confess what have you been doing in the garret nothing's gone on in the garret Mm. Um, sure I believe you James it was good fun it was fun while it lasted but I couldn't possibly take a free lunch from you that wasn't him that was not him you fucker That was not John Strudwick. You are a, an absolute horse. And of course it didn't make sense. It just, it was too easy for you. <laughs> was that your father-in-law? It was, that was key. <laughs> that was key. That was oh. Dead Man, Dead Man's lover of dead men and women. Debut on the podcast. Yeah, Keith Simmons. Keith Simmons. Who was, who, was, who was absolutely petrified about impersonating John Strudwick. And he was being a bit weird about it, saying, like, you don't have to use his name, though, do you? And I was like, yeah, of course I do, because I'm interviewing him. Yeah, but you don't don't have to. And I think Abby just said, are you worried they're going to take your pension away if they find out you impersonated John Strudwick? And he kind of did. Oh, what if they do? How are they going to do that? I don't know. It was Bantz, and I've now admitted that wasn't John Strudwick. Did, did you try and get in touch with John Strudwick? No, I don't want to go to some freaky old person's house. I told you, you've got to beware. Oh, you are so... I had... <laughs> you really... 
skyrocketed in my estimations, and then uh, you should I'm have to ask myself some pretty serious questions. I'm cancelling dinner. I don't think I can look at you at the moment. You let me down. Uh, you let yourself fun. down. I haven't let anyone you let down. Our listeners down. The story, most of all, you let Oslo Court down. The story was fun. I should have dragged it out and got the free lunch, and I that would have been really out of order. I, I kind of wish you had. Really? I just I feel you've let yourself down by not even attempting to get in touch with John Strudwick. Yeah, I could have done, but it's busy, James. There's a lot of balls in the air. So, did Keith just make it up on the spot, or had he done his research about what John Strudwick had said? No, I sort of told him what had happened. Well, I'd said that there were three, and then he added it. But also, what's interesting is he starts doing a voice about halfway through, it, and afterwards I was like, why are you talking that weird voice? Um, yeah. Do you know what was the most unbelievable thing about it, playing it back in my head? What? I reckon the kind of guy who thinks they see UFOs is unlikely to be the kind of guy who doesn't like Donald Trump. I think there's a lot of overlap in there that There could character. well be. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, should have smelt a rat at that point. But, well, th- but thanks to Keith. And please don't hold it against Keith. You know, he did it under duress. And... I mean, there's going to be a lot of pressure on your bank account if he does get his pension taken away, because you'll be fully responsible... Yeah, that is true. ...for depriving... Well, Sweet. I, as I've as I've said, it was just fun. It was just a bit of fun. No harm meant. God. Wow. Oh. Well, that's really disappointing. Anyway, moving on. What do you think about Listerine? Love Listerine. Why is it sitting on the desk? Uh, because I have some in my bag. But oh, is, that one, is that one out? A travel packet. Oh, there is a bit left in there. Yeah, a little travel bottle. Mm. Yeah, because I have to. I have to be. Do you concerned not mind about, about single-use mouthwash. plastics? No, I'm not wild about it. But it's mouthwash. What do you do? Yeah, but why do you get a small? If you insist on mouthwash, get a big one. Because James, which is what I was going to say, is I have to consider weight at all times in my bag. Which the book I'm reading at the moment, Arctic Dreams by somebody Lopez. Actually, where is it here? Uh, Jennifer. Nope. Barry. <laughs> Don't expect it to be Barry, do you? <laughs> Didn't but, think that was the name that was going to come uh, out of your head. By no. Barry Lopez, head. Robert McFarlane, who, FYI, we tried to get on the podcast, but he's too busy. So maybe at the end of the year we could get him on, but he's too busy to come on at the moment. Absolutely. say. did send a nice email saying, uh, giving his apologies. But, um, Dead to me. He's, who's an amazing writer. Well, he's not, is he? He is. Yeah, uh, Arctic Dreams is one, one of his favourite books. And when he was going, he was walking somewhere, somewhere in the middle of nowhere for a really long time, but had to pick his books based on weight. But he picked up Arctic Dreams, despite the fact it was a big, heavy book. Two words for him. What? Kindle. I don't think Kindles were around when he was doing his walk. It was back in the day. How old is he? Uh, I don't know. In his 40s, I guess. Uh, but anyway... Uh, blah blah blah. So I sort of have to Did do the same thing because I live out of a bag, so I don't want to be carting around more weight than I have to. Mm. I'm not going to let have taken on that walk. A Kindle? No, oh. but it, you know, I'm, I'm getting in character. Like this is pre-Kindle in, in this vignette. Okay, what would you take? Johnny Wilkinson's Diary of a Remarkable Year. Yeah, it's a fantastic book. It's a remarkable book. All about kicking a ball. It's all about the World Cup. Yeah, what a what a read. What a ride. Yeah, what a man. What did he get up to? Well, he won the World Cup, didn't he? Well, you say that. I do. Yeah. The World Cup is football. <laughs> People do say the Rugby World Cup, just yeah. so you know where yeah. you're at. What, what's, what's been going on with you, James? Uh, I feel Apart like, from your uh, eyes, you look really depressed. I feel quite depressed, actually. Yeah. I do too, but you've been maintaining some slightly more positive vibes. Yeah. 
You did scream at your phone today, which was quite like, whoa. Yeah, in the street. You don't do that very often. Yeah, I lost my fucking mind. Yeah. I, lo- I actually just shouted at the kids this morning. I never shouted at them. Um, and it was like it was like a loving shout, but it was a shout nonetheless. Um, I got so organised to get them out of the door on time, get Tom to his school. It's an hour round trip, and then walk to Nora's thing. Been so organised. And just when I was trying to get her into the sling, and she was going apeshit, which she always does at this point, um, uh, you have to, to you have to lure her in from quite from a great height. Yeah. Um, and so her ass has to go right in front of your face. At this point, I realised she'd uh. deposited. So get her out of the sling. Try and change her. Anyway, she's on the. Tom is at this point being angelic and just sitting reading a book. And um, she is just screaming blue murder. Blue murder? Bloody murder? Yeah, blue. Murder in the dark? Blue murder. murder. New order. Um, Better or worse than Joy Division? Discuss. Another time. Um, and so I, I think that there are tests. That li- I mean, literally the human blood pressure just rises when there's a child screaming. And so I'm just trying to change her nappy and keep it, keep it cool. And then, uh, uh, and then Tom starts shouting at me. Whoa. Not like again, not not like he's not angry, and he's not even you know in another context it wouldn't have even been like shut up, but it was just like dad, dad, yeah, and I literally went, Tom, I'm trying to change Laura's nappy. <laughs> yeah, that is not like you. Let myself down, really. Let myself down, mate. I used to do that all the time. But and then, and then, then on the way to nursery, he was like, "You got crossed, didn't you?" But I got, a bit, and then he said, "I got a bit crossed too." Were you cross with me? I said, no, no, I was cross at the situation. And that's quite yeah. hard to explain to a child. That was always my life. When I was, and I'd scream at my kids <laughs> all over the shop. But I was like, yeah, I'm not angry at you, just angry at the situation. That wasn't true, I was angry at them. The situation being, I had them. children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the situation being, I just could not keep it in my pants <laughs> or keep it safe. Which is why... I always implore our listeners, just keep it safe in all areas of life. And that's now manifesting itself in the way I treat you, in that I can't keep my rage within myself. Just that nothing, nothing stays in. Yeah. I'm not implying you get your trousers out. No. Whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just quite up and down at the moment, life, isn't it, Sam? For it really us, is. for reasons at some point we'll be able to talk about. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it feels bad. I think I've probably, if I'm being perfectly honest, I think the last few days have been some of the, some of the lowest I can recall. Yeah, you've been an absolute... Like, I know, but like, honestly, I just feel terrible. Well, a tooth out, Physically, mentally, just feel appalling. Just really need a little reboot, Where James. do you go when you're in those moments? I go to Rome. Well, no, but I mean more within yourself. Oh, uh, I don't really. I, I'm not shy of just dwelling there, James. Mm. Dwelling in the misery. Just thinking like, fuck this, everything sucks. Yeah, not not very good at getting out of that. Do you ever just want to walk away from this life we've created for ourselves? Yeah, it's always just the kids. Just mm. think, yeah, don't want to leave. That. Again, I mean <laughs> us. <laughs> I know. Yeah, sometimes, but like you're all right. I like hanging out with you. Okay, if you had to walk away from one thing, your family or mm. me, what would it be? Quick fire. You. Sorry. Paused. You have to say that yeah. off mic. Yeah, probably that. They make more noise than you do. We'd have fun. But you've started throwing tantrums now, like they do, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did just yell, like, uh, on Great Queen Street. I was... 
My phone kept ringing. I was getting phone. It's a tough time. I mean, I don't want to sit here moaning, but you yeah. know, it's a tough time. Yeah, we'll talk about it one day. I think the thing is as well is toothache is just a thing. Is oh. that when you have toothache, even though it could not be agonising pain, but it's just there and it just brings your mood down. I think more than like if you had like a grazed knee or something. Grazed maybe, anatomy. Maybe the um, maybe the pain is more, but there's something about it being in your mouth. When so so you're often your little holly bobs. Yeah, people say get very don't, cross with you. Yeah, I don't like. I it. like it. I think, it's a, I think it's a good word. <laughs> I did not holly like bobs. it. It's adorable. It's not. It's it gross. is. No, no, you're wrong. Um, yeah, I'm going to going to Rome on Friday. Where are you going to Rome? Going to Rome in oh, Rome. Oh, it's not like a windy walk. No, no, I haven't done one of those for a while. Yeah, I'm going. Maybe to Rome, that's why you're feeling a bit low. Then I'm going to Florence. Then I'm going to Venice. Roma Day, Florence 2, Venice 2. Trains between, betwixt must them, between them. Love a train on a holiday. Don't yeah, you why. do, you it's go for that, don't you? One, yeah. I, I think trains are probably my top four modes of transport. Yeah? Mm. What else do you like? Uh, the bus is my favourite. bus, yeah, you like that. Bus office, that's your vibe, isn't it? Bicycle. You like a bicycle? For transport as opposed to exercise, yeah. Right. Um... And then a, a glider, hang glider. Hang glider, yeah. yeah. Hang gliders aren't bad, actually. you can swoop down on people and, and they you're can't in a sleeping you. bag. And they can't hear you coming. Moving in a sleeping bag, that's not bad. Near where I used to live, no, where, well, where I still, where my parents live, um, the, uh, Sutton Bank, which uh, sits above Thirsk on the way to Scarborough, on right. the A170, there's <laughs> um, <laughs> a real hang glider spot. And you watch these people... Just absolutely pegging it off the cliff edge. You're like, no! And then they're fine because they've got these. Yeah. But then what happens when you decide to jack it in? Do you have to. You, have we talked about this recently on the pod? Yeah, gliders. Did we talk about that yesterday? No, to Alex Healy Hutchinson. Ah, all right. Yeah, scary. Because then you're like, how are you landing? I think the death rate is pretty high on a glider. Yeah, it's also Hang like, glider. how do you get out of the sleeping bag to start running to land on do your Do you fifth? like sleeping bags? Yeah, well, we were talking a few weeks ago about a sleeping bag on a plane. Oh, I've got to change the record, haven't I? But a sleeping bag with unaided flight seems like not a bad vibe. Do you like a sleeping bag? No. No? No. Never? Never. Ever? Have I ever felt so um, low? No, yeah. I fucking hate sleeping bags. They're dreadful. Yeah. But maybe I'll bring one on the plane this weekend, because I'm also off on a little jolly, which I'll talk about when I return. What? I don't really want to talk about it now. You don't have to, but I mean, I said where I'm going. Yeah, but you're going on a holiday. I'm sort of doing a semi-work trip, and we're going to be podcasting on the work trip, and it'll be cut in to the next episode. That's true. Episode, episode. I mean, work in a loose sense, what you're getting up to out there. Right, joining us after this little musical interlude, we have Sarit Packer and Itamar Srilovich. I'm almost certainly pronouncing at least one of those four words wrong. Uh, But they're the founders of Honey & Co., and we're going to talk to them about their new book, Various Other Delights. Um, I, for one, can't wait, Sam. Edge of the seat, meet my buttocks. <laughs> Which books do you find painful to read? <laughs> oh, we shouldn't select any of should we? There's some that are painful. There's a recording already? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. See you. Okay. Yeah, we get people for the... <laughs> but the guy's down. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, what do I find painful? Up the I mean, 
if like if I start a book and it comes off very preachy, then I I would be annoyed. Like do this, don't do that. Yeah. Even though it things that make sense and I agree with, but you know, I yeah, don't need I don't need it pushed it down my throat. Yeah. I don't, how, how I do don't you, have time for this. How do you both this? find the process of, of writing a book? Because is this your second or third? Third. Third, yeah. Mm. So the new book is At Home. Um, which is, so did, was the first The first couple of books, were they more sort of... Cause you did, was there a sweet one? The, yeah, so the first one was just Honey & Co., the restaurant and everything that we were doing then. It was almost like a diary of recording a first year in a yeah. restaurant and the food of it and stuff. And then the second one was all the baking because yeah. we didn't have space in the first one to put all of it, and we do lots and lots of baking. So they're kind of one mahusive book, book split in the middle. Sorry. So yeah, so it's one book split into two, really, that we just published a year, you know, yeah. a year later. But they're basically the same thing. So one follows a year in a restaurant, the other one follows kind of a, a day, day in or the restaurant in terms of what you would Mostly bake. Mostly like routine. a day in the like bakery. It's like a routine for a bakery. Right, so, so it just follows the routine of a day in a bakery. So I guess it made sense then for your third to be more focused on the home. I think it was focused on the home by mistake, actually, because we had just opened Honey and Smoke and did the craziest year of just being at work all the time. Right. And when we came to start writing this book, it was supposed to be about our deli and deli food and stuff, but we kind of just wanted to spend a bit of time at home. <laughs> and we were just starting to kind of re-invite guests over. And, and actually, we, we could leave work for a bit, and we, which we couldn't for the first year. Yeah, so it was more about like remembering that part of the fun of cooking is having people over and eating it, or just what we cook for the two of us, and just trying to kind of remember that there's a joy to it, because somehow <laughs> the year of opening a restaurant doesn't have much joy to it. It does, but it also has a lot of... Um, yeah, hard work. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a relaxing time. No. <laughs> and so, take us back to the to Honey and Co's sort of inception. How did that come about? The first mm. place. Mm. Yeah. Uh, how did it come it's about? Your fault. Yeah. No, we we've always wanted uh, to open our own place, and we we've we've kind of you know we kind of reached our thirties and kind of a certain point in our career that we said okay. If we're not doing it now, then we're not going to do it. And if it's not, we're not going to make it happen, then it's not going to happen. Yeah. So we just, you know, decided to to go for it. And really, I think that the, the just how much, you know, our, our good fortune is we didn't know how much we didn't know. And, you know, how really blind stupid we are to do it. <laughs> because it was really... You know, it was all so touch and go uh, at the beginning. But yeah, it took us a while. We just left. Our, I left my job, so it stayed there, stayed on, looking for a place. I thought it'd take me two months. It took two years. Right. Um, Where were you both working at the time? I was um, in Otolenghi. Yeah, yeah, we were in Otolenghi. But by the time I was, I took the project of Nopi um, and opening it, and we kind of thought it's a good. You know, a good chance to learn yeah. what it's like opening something. So I was doing um, a lot of the project management before we opened, and kind of all the stuff of you know helping with the designing of the kitchen and builders and all of these things, which was quite good lessons to to have done on someone else's kind of <laughs> someone else's, <laughs> someone else's yeah. uh, back for for a bit, and then they knew that this was the plan because right. Itamar had left by then to start looking, um, but it was still good. 
that I got the chance to do that mm. project and I stayed there for the first year of opening that restaurant and then left and by then we had had ours so and how did you find the site is Warren Street isn't it yeah that, that was also a fluke we had no we didn't have any any knowledge of the area the neighborhood it was not it was not on any radar that we we had we were looking in South London right. we because this is where we live when you know in, in Brixton we live in then we had this we kind of vi- vision of walking to work and just having a really kind of community not community but like our street we kind of wanted something that felt that we belonged to yeah but we couldn't find anything yeah we're, this is where we were looking and then we kind of said okay we're just gonna look what also we had no money whatsoever but the site itself was there was the reason that you feel like you took it was just because we've been looking for two years and this will do we'll make it work or you were like oh we really love this site even though it's not what you were first looking for we walked in and we loved the feel of it first of all it had a functioning kitchen downstairs which was a big bonus when you don't have money sure it was empty for a year which meant there was no premium to pay and no kind of massive things that we had to do but you walk into a premises and it's got a kitchen that works and it was really yeah. yeah, but it was really, I mean, a lot has changed since, but it was enough for us to get in and start. And we were like, okay, as long as we get rid of the orange paint, it was bright orange, and the whole green furniture will be fine. It's it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, Fanta like... and tango. Yeah, yeah. But, so like, bright. fluorescent, fluorescent, fluorescent. It was like, whoa. But also it felt really good. Like, when we walked in, it was completely not what we were going to open, because we were going to open this grill house, and it was going to be mostly night services, and it was going to be, like, kind of smoky. Oh, and really? Yeah, this is yeah. what we were looking for, but because we hadn't managed to find this kind of place and it, and this premises, we loved it, but it didn't feel right for that. Yeah. Then everything just changed. So we kind of changed overnight what we were going to do. Oh, wow. Well, no, and Honey and Smoke came like four and a half years later, but we, we couldn't, we just couldn't find that thing that we wanted to do. By thing, she means good extraction. Yeah, <laughs> which I and think is polite the, about saying yeah. you need good extraction, yeah. and we could yeah. not afford extraction then. We're, and but I think that thing of of sort of cha- being willing to pivot and being willing to change what your initial idea was but to fit to the site. I think sometimes people don't do that. You yeah. get a restaurant, um, and you take on a site, say, and it's got a pizza oven in it, and you decide oh, I'm not going to use the pizza oven. Yeah, it sort of seems strange to me, even if you don't want to make pizza, yeah. but use it for something else. Yeah, if you're, yeah, especially if you're opening on no money. I always think those decisions, if you can be flexible, I guess, to change well, where you want to be and be what the place is, I think it's quite brave to do. I think I think it's something that you can do when you're when you're a small operator and you're completely independent and that you're so freaked out and yeah. so hungry to to make it work. Then you know whatever, throw at me. Yeah. And, and I think once you like, get complacent, this is where, sure. where it kind of bites you in the backside. But we were, I mean, we yeah. were happy to do any kind of food. Like, we were happy to make it an Italian place, a kind of sandwich place. We, at that stage, because Itamar was already, I mean, he was working as a private chef and stuff like that, but not in full employment no, for almost I will almost say I, I never made so much money before or since. Yeah. <laughs> well, as a private yeah, chef. As a private yeah. chef, yeah. But, like... You know, it's kind of we just wanted to get going. So if you so if you weren't wedded to a specific context, what was it that drove you to open a restaurant? No, I mean we wanted to do Middle Eastern food. We wanted to do the grill. The grill didn't work, and we still said, okay, let's continue with the Middle Eastern food, but we'll do it more like what we cook at home versus what you would eat in a restaurant. 
But we also said if it doesn't work completely, we're not going to fight it. Like we're not going to try and force people to do something they weren't willing to do. We were just extremely lucky that it just clicked quite quickly. Yeah, our main drive, I think, was just that we didn't want to have anyone telling us what to do. So, fair enough. <laughs> I think, Yotan you know. was just like the most horrible boss. He's horrible. No, Awful. I mean, he's a lovely, lovely man. And we, But we were there for five years, and prior to that, ten years with other kitchens. You know, at some stage, like even when you have really lovely bosses, you, you just get to a stage where you say, actually, I, I just want to decide. I want this mm. dish to be mine from start to finish. And I understand completely why when you're a head chef of a place or the owner or anything, you would change it because I do that to my chefs now. If they come up with a dish, I've always got something to say. That's okay. But, like, I think our kind of head chefs, sous chefs now understand if we want to change a dish. And I understood it back then. But after, like, I was there for five years, you just want one dish that you put on to be yours. Yeah. Really from that kind of whole concept of making it to serving it and seeing how it sells. And that never happens if you have someone else looking at you. This is yeah. why we didn't want investors as well. Like we, This is why we opened on such a like tight, tight budget. We didn't want anyone at all saying to us, the wall should be green, that this should be that. We just didn't want that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's bad enough we have the two of us. We yeah, fight that's, about everything. that's a lot as well. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> so how did that all go then, the, the sort of design aspect of it, if you're, dis- if you're quite good at disagreeing with each other? No, I leave design to Itamar. Itamar is much better. No, also we didn't when we first time we opened Honey and Co. We, there was no design to talk about. We just you know just get rid of the orange and the green. And exactly, yeah, we painted it white. We put yeah. some tiles in. That's all we did. There was no, you know, there was no, there, yeah. was, there was no kind of any. It was just like get rid of the orange walls <laughs> and that's it. This is this was the five coats later. Yeah. <laughs> So how does your how does your working relation how do you divide up these decisions and you know obviously you make them together but you know what is, do you have sort of separate areas of expertise or whatever a bit more now not when we started when we started we just argued about everything yeah we but still now, do yeah but like I think we have the same sensibility of aesthetics we like the same things basically we live in the you know in yeah the same and, place. and actually not, for food we like similar same, food yeah. we have the same sensibilities about that and we get each other. In, in that space but I think you know in terms of the, the everyday work it's it was you know it got to be too painful actually to work together yeah we don't so, work in the same kitchen anymore <laughs> <laughs> so Sarid, Sarid works a lot in the kitchen in Honey and Smoke is the new place and I work more in the kitchen in Honey and Co and I'm more involved in the front of house and Sarid is more involved with the, the office and the pastry mm-hmm and we split it like that, but yeah. like, yeah. Did you did, did were you aware sort of from day one that that was probably going to be the best way of going about things? No, no. not at all. No, no, it's very much uh, donkey trails. It's just how things happen. I think we all have kind of our, you know, lesser evil kind of thing. You'd say, you know, what freaks you out more to you know handle the service by yourself or to go upstairs and serve it? So. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not good with like serving customers or anything like that. So Itamar was like better at doing it and like more chatty. And even though he had no idea because he had never served the table until we opened the restaurant, we had luckily Rachel who runs our front of house now, but then was our first waitress. And her and Itamar just kind of started talking to people, you know. Mm-hmm. And she luckily was a waitress, so she had some intelligence to her. She has a lot, but some to impart on us and I just hid in the kitchen because it was just a natural way 
that we would work and that's all we did and we never had any plans of it really being a lot of people in the kitchen we kind of thought we'd cook which is what used to happen we'd both come in in the morning I'd make bread and cakes and Ethanol would cook the food then he'd go up to service I would do service in the kitchen and serve the food and we never really that's kind of what we thought it was going to be so it was just so you but two it got and busier. Rachel yeah yeah and then it got wow. busier, so we took another... We took a KP, that was a, a luxury, because until yeah. then we were washing all the dishes as well and doing wow. the floors. We took a KP, and then one of our Fucking French Carlos. chefs asked to join, so we took a pastry chef. Then another friend asked, and we said, well, maybe. And actually, we then realized that every person you add can increase so much what you do, but it was never the plan at all. So then we started opening, because we only started with lunches, we started opening... Uh, dinners on Thursday, Friday, then we added, you know, so we kind of spread it like as every person we added, we added a day. It was kind of like a, a strange evolving. And it, before we knew it, there was like 15 people working in Honey and Co. And this was all like less than a year. Yeah. Well, it must be really nice to be able to scale like that, you know, in the sort of, as it's you amazing. say, bring somebody on at a day as opposed yeah. to, right, we're open seven days a week and we have to staff it with yeah. people. Yes, which we, no. we did that in Honey and Smoke yeah. and that was mad. Yeah. So that was much worse. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a way, it's better to Jeez. to let it grow and to see that there's a demand before you start. We also didn't really, and this is the worst thing to say as business people, but we didn't really know anything what the restaurant was going to do. All we did literally was come in, cook, what we eat at home and hope someone likes eating it. It was as simple as that. There was no like massive menus, everything planned. It wasn't like that. And how did you get to to this you know amazing stage where you are now? I mean, or even a year down the line when you were winning Observe Food Monthly Awards and, um, you know, the talk, talk of the town, as they say. Um, what, what, what sort of catalyzed that? Well, I think... Um, Do we know? No, I, I mean, what, 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 how did it happen? I don't know. But you didn't get a sort of a great review out of the blue or... A no, I think... We, I mean, review started, I think, maybe Time Out was the first one somehow yeah. because they're just down the road. They did one then we because we never took a PR or anything like that then mm. the next one was like don't even remember like Guardian they, 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 cause they started coming in and they were good and then big ones were good like A.A. Gill was an amazing review yeah. uh, Jay Rhino was a good review and then um, Faye Mashlow lives like two doors down two doors down we, we right. didn't know that when we took the place but Itamar I think you accosted her on the street just because mm. he thought she was a customer <laughs> no the opposite you jumped out of the restaurant or something? No, I... She accosted you? No, because we, we, were, we were closed on, on Sundays. And then I was, like, it was a Saturday, Saturday lunchtime, and I was kind of, I don't know what I was doing in the shop. And then just a couple walks in, they say, oh, yeah, we'd like to book a table for tomorrow. I said, well, you know, we're closed on Sunday. Or it was, like, Sunday week. I said, yeah, we want to have, like, a big table. It's, it's her birthday. You know, and said, "Well, you know, come any other day, but on Sunday it was, we just can't because we're closed." And by then we 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 were working. You know, this is when we were doing all the vinoiserie and, yeah. and the deep cleans and that. So we yeah. were we just 
And I said, no, you know, I'm really sorry, I just can't. We just can't. And I said, well, you know, we hope to make it, you know, we'll, we'll, make, we'll make it another time when you're open. I said, like, yeah, I'm Reg and I'm Faye. Tough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> but you, I mean, so you were, you were completely unaware as to who they after until they said their names, and uh, then you yeah. realised. And then yeah. the the penny dropped. <laughs> so yeah. Like, yeah, we're open. <laughs> yeah. See you tomorrow. No, I think in a way, you know, there the, the was never on our part. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but it, it did. You know, it did grow quite organically. Everything. We we weren't, and I think you know. It makes me, you know, quite optimistic to think, you know, that the growth and and the success of it is from people, our people, you know, people that come back and again yeah. and again and again and again. Then we're on solid ground. Not this yeah, is no, no, not like a whole lot of people coming for the first two weeks and then never coming yeah. back. It was not like that at all. But it was, yeah. I mean, it was amazing and winning the Guardian, the the Observer, the Observer monthly. Yeah. I mean across the road you know it's like we were completely so it was probably one of the first evenings that we left the restaurant restaurant, like the first time we like dressed up and you know put some makeup on in in a year it's it's funny Mm. and so how do you find with all this going on three restaurants and i don't know maybe more in the in the pipeline how do you find time to to write because you have your column in the ft as well Mm. Mm. i think a lot of this book started with the column for the FT because we shoot everything in our flat. We make the food and we shoot it and people eat it or, you know, mm. or we take a lot of stuff, food into work and and things. And it's a really, uh, it's a beautiful way of writing about food because it's, because it's the weekly thing. So people respond weekly and you're cooking exactly what's in the market now. You don't have to like think of a recipe now that you're going to publish in mm. a book in a year's time. It's completely for now. And that was really fun. And and the, the immediate feedback is is terrific. It's great fun. But I'm but surprised by when people say they get letters and emails. Mm. And, oh, yeah. 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 Oh, maybe when we had Tina Hayward on, said FT readers don't write very polite, lovely yeah, they're also yeah, yeah, yeah. really good readers because they make the food you tell them to make. You know, you tell them go and buy a cauliflower, and they go and buy a cauliflower. It's really lovely. Like yeah. it's so nice, and and sometimes like two hours after it's published, someone will send you a picture. That's yeah. you know, or or actually call the restaurant <laughs> saying we're in the kitchen now. We oh. don't have allspice. Can we use something else? We're like what. <laughs> What are you so sweet? Yeah, but that's really nice. It's really nice. As opposed to those sort of people who go, well, I didn't have harissa, so I used uh, curry paste instead. Yeah. It was disgusting. So, yeah. Well, yeah, that wasn't the recipe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You well, do get some of those. The funniest, the, the funniest that we had was we did a meatball recipe with fenugreek. And uh, we said, you know, use a little bit. It's quite potent, meaning, you know, it's strong flavor. Yeah. And this woman wrote to us, either from the States, I think, no? She said, well, I made your recipe, I made your meatball recipe with the fenugreek. It was delicious, but we all got, we all felt ill afterwards. And I was like, well, you do your own try. I don't do your show. I don't know what kind of dodgy meat you buy, lady. You know, I didn't tell you put bleach in the meatballs. It's like a food stuff. It's yeah. not, what do you want from me, you know? I'm taking no responsibility for it. <laughs> no. That was so funny. Your family. Yeah. 
It's like you poison your family. I don't know what you do in shopping. So do you? Do you guys? I mean, obviously you're super busy and books and more restaurants. But do you have more time now to you know to not well, be we, in the restaurants. Well, we make time for the, for the fun stuff. We make we make you know this is kind of our luxury time. We carve up time to do the the FT properly. And we shoot it all at home and, you know, write nice copy to go with it. And we enjoy that. That's kind of our... But a lot of that is done on a Sunday when we're closed in the restaurants. And that's kind of how we shot the first book as well, only on Sundays. But... We do the... the But we do have more time now. We have a really amazing team in each place. And, you know, they're there now and we're here. You know, this is a different kind of... You know, hopefully it stays, but a slightly different era of... Of working, like we yeah. we did the the first I would say four years like crazy people, then we had a year of it starting to calm down, and then we opened the other two places, and then it just went completely mental for another year. So now we're kind of carving back all this time to do the fun, but this is completely the fun things: shooting for a column, like doing our own food styling, making the food, writing the recipes, writing the beautiful stories about it. This is why we wanted to continue being in food yeah and do, doing our own podcast which we love doing it and actually it's it's fun work you know to to do the do the research learn more about the people that are coming to choose you know book the people cook their food and you know this we just um recorded the first episode of the new season which is going to be about you know growers and makers which is really interesting to us you know we had the guys that we buy olive oil from they came from catalonia to talk to us and talk about you know uh, orchard and they yeah so all of this and everyone else that's coming on this series so it's like our fantasy of being in the food world because now we're in a position to invite the people we want to invite and hopefully most of them say yes to coming you know we've we've had some guests that I don't think would have ever come if we didn't. Like Anissa Halo, we've been looking at her books about Middle Eastern food for years, and we never imagined she's going to come and sit with us and talk with us in a room. Mm. And like, you know, it's it's a really kind of really geeky, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, proper <laughs> geek out on um, on all your food people. But it's very impressive. Uh, I mean, we Sam and I have attempted over the years to basically just make try and make a virtue of the fact that we don't do any research on our guests but uh, i was very impressed that you you know you you cook from the books that you you, you know your guests have, have written and you you know you you know their this is a new a, it's a new thing for us it's the research is a new thing for us i was always very much against it because uh i like the immediacy of you know And actually, I feel, you know, if I invite someone, then I know enough about them to, to be interested mm. in what they do and to know, and I know the field. But uh, we're, we're trying it out. We started trying it out last season, and it kind of it works really well. No, and but also, I mean, the cooking we've done from the start, but we have a crowd. So there's 30 people sitting there listening to the conversation as we record it, and we feed them something, because mm. otherwise, why are they, you know? So, that, I mean, I, lo- I love that angle as well yeah. on, your, on, your, on your podcast. How, how do you find sort of interviewing in front of a crowd it's good I think there's some there's something really first of all about the energy of a room and when it's a good speaker especially because people are excited like it's a you see this kind of buzz going especially if they and when they're talking about food if they're super passionate about it and they talk about a dish that sounds amazing you see everyone starting to like slowly salivate yeah. there. you know that's quite nice and uh, and I think it's nice for the speakers because 
the crowd is quite small, so it's really, really intimate. Like, the room is tiny and... Like, weak. on... It's smaller than this. It's like right. 30 people sitting really tightly, and it gets quite hot, and it gets quite, like, kitchen steamy, so it kind of gives people a bit of a, of a feel, and always the food is on kind of big platters on display as well, so people can smell it as well as they kind of hearing about the food and the things so it's quite it's, it's actually, lovely the, the people that come are so you know are really really a committed crowd they're yeah. really interested they're you know the food geeks like us they want to you know drill down the detail and they they want to support you know they're really really interested and keen yeah. yeah so they you know for people to come it's really nice because they get the, the most supportive crowd that, that you can get and you know, we do our best to, to do the food justice as yeah. well. So, but also it started a bit actually in the other ways. We have all these cookbooks because we love cookbooks, but we never, ever, ever, ever cooked from them. It's like this kind of strange thing where we have like a house with hundreds of cookbooks mm. and we never use them. And this was kind of a thing of like, oh, we have to cook and we have to follow a recipe exactly as it's written. And that's amazing because you suddenly produce food that is not your food, which is mm. really nice to yeah, do as you well. You learn so much. Yeah. Like, really, we learn so much from this. Yeah. Especially if you're writing cookbooks. I mean, it's yes, yeah. yes, about how to write, what not to write. Works, and this was yeah. one of the things. So, like, just to understand what makes sense to people, especially if it's a cuisine we don't know. So, like, the ones we enjoy the most is doing a cuisine that maybe we're less versed in cooking. So doing Indian food, doing Chinese food, that... That's mm. quite exciting for us because we maybe know the basis, but we don't think through these kind of... And also just seeing somebody else's moves and having to follow. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. that's, you know, the yeah. thing that people... God, I wouldn't do it that way or... Well, yeah, and you, uh, but you say, okay, we're, we're, and we're quite, like, religious about it. We follow the recipe to the letter, you know. You don't just, like, skim to the ingredients and you say, yeah, I've done that before. Really, because this is what you do, you know. It's true. And, you, and you look at the picture, you skim the ingredients, and okay, you cook. When you're a cook, yeah. yeah. And some people are excellent at writing recipes. Some people you can just completely follow a recipe and produce an amazing mm. plate of food. And that's a skill that's really, yeah. that's a special skill to have. And that's kind of what we aspire to do when we write a recipe as well. Yeah, and this, this is actually, clear. this is your time. You know, their recipe is always bulletproof. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, like you know, work, people can you know? say what they will about, you know, ingredients from hell, but <laughs> you, no, but it, it is, I mean, we know what it takes to make good food. It takes yeah. an effort. Uh, we had your time's collaborator, Tara, yeah. on the podcast. She's excellent at writing yeah. recipes. She, um, yeah. I always tell her that she owes everything to me because sure, I got I'm her sure CV the first time. No, no right? I never actually worked with her, but I got her CV and I didn't really have a position for her. But I said to her, she sounds really, really nice. Yeah. I think you should take her. Yeah, this is many, she, many she years ago. No, I mean, she's, she, she's not, lovely. And she, I, I think just at the time she had had twins and I was opening Noppy and I was like, did, she, what are you doing? What are you coming into Noppy? Are you crazy? What are you going to do in my kitchen? Let me tell you something. She tells that story. And I said to your time, look, she's lovely and she's amazing, but like, there's no way she's going to work in my kitchen with twins. Like, yeah, no, she said it. That's yeah. exactly what she said. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, hey, fever time. Woo! Now, listen, listen to our buddy James, Jim Jam, Jimmy Jam, Jammy, Jamster. 
Hippies will tell you some bollocks about honey. They'll say, drink the local honey, eat it, do what you want with it, spread it on toast, spread it on your body. It'll sort out your hay fever. It's not, it's not true. It's utter nonsense. But I've got a cure for you. Our London vodka. All right, I'm not a doctor. I have no medical background. But I've been drinking a lot of our London vodka lately. And let me tell you, the hay fever is still here. But I feel better, like, all the time. I'm just happy, you know. I'm, I'm walking on sunshine. Oh, London Vodka. It's made in Hackney, distilled in Hackney, bottled in Hackney. Everything happens in Hackney. But you can drink it anywhere in London. It's fully legit. I wish you all the best with that. Uh, whether you've got hay fever or not, really. Our oh, London Vodka. It's delicious mm, vodka. Head down to Pigeon on Wilton Way. Because you'll get 50% off an Our oh, London Vodka-based cocktail when you say kitchen is on fire or some bollocks like that to the, to the bartender. Um, or you fellow hay fever sufferers out there. Any one thing for it, just get blind drunk on our London vodka, but please do drink responsibly. Uh, this is a public service announcement. Cheers. Bye. Um, so uh, I feel like I keep digging at this, but it's just really interesting to have, you know, a, sort of people willing to put their relationship in the, in an environment, you know, like a restaurant, like opening a restaurant. Yeah. And that's sort of... I mean, people do it, obviously, yeah. a lot, but we've, we haven't ever had people on the podcast to sort of talk about to that. Survive it. To survive <laughs> yeah. 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 it. To survive it. I think that was part of our, in a way, stupidity, is we never even thought about that. Yeah. Right. We never thought about the cost it would have, if it would have. Like, yeah. we just never really went there. We were like, we want to do this. That we didn't think about it, about the working together. We just said... We're both chefs. We've been chefs for a long time. We've been managing kitchens for a long time. We can do this, you know. It's fine. And we had worked together, actually, in Everywhere, at least actually. the last yeah. three or four big jobs. We had worked in the same kitchens. Right. Was yours a, a showmance, as they say? Did you get together at work? <laughs> showmance? No. Why would they? We were so the a couple get together when they're filming together? Ah, it's, it's yeah. yes, we did. Like, we got together in a kitchen. In the Your first eyes kitchen. met over a hot stove. Well, well it was a slow burn. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a slow burn. It was no love at first sight. And we but, kept uh, it on, on the down low for a while. For a long while, actually. A long time, yeah, until we got discovered by a fellow chef. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's bound to happen. Yeah. Well, especially in Israel, it's a tiny... It's like 14 people there. <laughs> <laughs> It's a tiny country with a tiny city that we were living in. So, yeah, we got discovered and we had to come clean at some stage. Um, but, yeah, so we met in a kitchen and we worked there together. And then when we... And now we kind of work well together. We do, like, yeah. If we have, like, most. some kind of... Uh, yeah. Barriers on certain things. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever We mostly a... try to boss each other. I have think you... that's our knee jerk, is that we would always kind of... Sort of managing everything we would first manage each other right which is probably like the one person in the system that doesn't need managing is each other yeah but the, we would direct all our attention to making sure that but it's, but you have to but you have to do that you know yeah, you yeah, yeah I, no. think, I think if you opening a restaurant as friends as james and i were when we opened place we're mates and i think you have to put the time in that your friendship is okay despite the stress of you know you're both going for the same goal but it's yeah. still yeah. frustrating so I suppose if you don't put that effort in then it's easy to probably watch everything explode I guess have you ever had a blazing row in front of your team 
No, but no. we fight all the time. No. I mean, we don't, like, we fight on things that to us are not a fight at all. But mostly because we switch languages when we do it. It sounds to everyone like we're being really, like, <laughs> aggressive. But we're just speaking in Hebrew. Um, which just sounds aggressive anyway. So right. everyone just thinks we're fighting all the time. Sometimes we're just talking about stuff. <laughs> and they think we're having an argument. It's just, Where should we go you know, for dinner? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, we're like talking about the movie we saw yesterday. We can get like really kind of angry <laughs> about something. Yeah. Um, and we fight, but it's not, we never take it home. I think the. the rarely. Rarely. I think Honey and Smoke was a big lesson in yeah. how not to open a restaurant for us. And that was maybe the first time that we took the stress home. But what, also. What went wrong there? What were the challenges? It was very, very big. It's a big restaurant. It's a, almost a hundred seater, and it was very busy from day one. Yeah, like soon as we opened the doors, we were you know we were doing a hundred covers a night. But but nobody knew what they were doing, including yeah. like a bit ourselves, just because it's so big. And the two of us were back in the kitchen again after kind of a good while of n- not really working the same. Also, we, we had the amazing idea of not hiring anyone. Like we didn't hire, yeah. Well, you just spread your existing team. No, oh no, we kept the existing team where they were. And 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 one other person thought we could run a hundred cover restaurant. A hundred cover restaurant. Wow. Because we said we were only going to start with the like dinner service Tuesday to Saturday. So we were like, okay, it's five nights a week. It's the two of us. We just take one more person to work with us. We'll be fine. Like. It's, you know, it wasn't a 20-seater Honey & Co. It was a much bigger thing. It was just stupid. Like, it's fine. We, you know. And, I mean, the restaurant was fine, but we were... Shattered. Yeah. yeah. Are we allowed to curse you? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, we were fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it was really a stupid thing to do. But it's fine. We understood I mean, that, how that, to that split was, it. That was ego a little bit, I think. That was vanity. It was a lot of stuff. It was yeah. vanity and it was... Anyway, but we just kind of learned how to split it and decided that would be the best. Well, also, one kitchen cannot have two heads, not long term. You can no. have a, you can have more managers and stuff, but a head chef, it, it's hard. Because, you know, we're still people. We'll still think you need to cook something a bit differently or you need to do that first before that. And if there's two voices saying it, it's not possible. So uh, as soon as we started hiring... Staff, Itama was very nice to me and took over everything else and left me the kitchen, which he probably didn't want to do because it was more his project. But yeah. I suppose systems-wise as well, if you're training staff, you're going to want to do things slightly differently. And so if you're saying A and you're yeah. saying B, yeah. then... It's, it's not possible. And it, <clears throat> it's not really what should have happened. I should have stepped away, but I'm a bit big-headed. But also the... Uh, our, our friends who I'm glad should. that you say that and that's <laughs> on record yeah but it's you know it's a long time after and it's yeah, too I'm glad that we have now. I, can, I can cut that yeah exactly yeah. never our, recorded our friends that we share in the office with who sit on these just they opened Parsons down on Endell Street yeah. and they were you know very very busy from when they first opened and they were you know uh, Ian sitting over there sort of oh this is a nightmare this is really difficult and I was saying well you know you're really busy that's a high quality problem to have yeah, yeah. and and he was sort of like, yeah, it sort of is, but it's also like, 
absolutely terrifying and incredibly difficult to deal yeah. with. You know, so if you open to a really busy restaurant straight off the bat and, yeah. you'd, and you're sort of massively understaffed, then it actually is a problem as opposed to just a high quality one. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it was, it was not... I'm glad to say that, you know, few incidents aside, I, th- I think it is, you know, as a restaurant, it worked well. But for the the price we paid personally, we were you know knackered all the time. We were gained loads of weight. Yeah, it was you started weird. smoking again. He had stopped yeah. for six years or something, oh, and right. then started smoking again. Yeah, that was again. the most depressing now thing. Now he stopped again, but you know, like you just the, the 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 cost on us physically was more than we had bargained for. Yeah, but we, you know, now we're trying to like go back exercise a bit stop smoking not eat so much it just takes some time because you just can't do everything yeah, at yeah. once yeah and it's also how you cope with that situation you know it's like oh great we've got a busy restaurant but actually there's a lot of bad that can, can <laughs> come across can, can come along with that yeah. I guess yeah. no, it is amazing but it, but you do yeah you do is overcompensate it, with yeah, bad is, things is to that, like that, get that famous uh, Mother Teresa quote that more tears are shed for answered prayers that take a moment to ponder this. Yes. <laughs> Tears are shed for answered prayers, yeah. Yes, right, get what you want, and well, it's and sometimes other. it's hard, yeah. yeah. Well, I can't remember who it was who said, you know, the two worst things in life first is getting what you want, no, not getting what you want, and the second yeah. is getting it. No, I mean, we're, we're very happy with it, and just we could have been a little bit smarter and more. But this is how you learn, I guess. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So what's uh, wh- what are you going to bring that learning to bear on next? Not much. <laughs> like we're quite happy. Everything's five minutes walk. Yeah, that's uh, really yeah. nice. Uh, that is just delightful. We're working on our next book, but it's a way away. We've given ourselves plenty of time to do it and to do what we want, which is going to be fun and exciting. Um, that's it. And now the idea is to make the restaurants as busy as they can be we do caterings we do the food talks which we really enjoy mm. we do the column like we have plenty that we're doing we just um, want to make America great again yeah and this, this book is... comes out in America in July so we're heading to America which oh, we've nice. not done before which will be fun uh, hopefully will be fun might be horrible yeah um, and when are you moving to Greece well sheesh I don't know if we are moving to Greece I mean what is up with that well, it's I, our I, biggest I, I mean, I said in any research, I did a little bit of research. Yeah. And I no, we uh, want to move to Greece, but I think it'll be Cornwall. No, <laughs> it's going to be Greece. But it's just going to be a bit different, maybe, a bit not as fast as we wanted. Our biggest debate, actually, about Greece is whether it's a business or whether it's yeah, our life. Right. And that's the hardest thing to decide. Because if we go and make a Greek island as mental as our life, and then, then maybe that's not done? so much fun. <laughs> You'd have to find somewhere else to go to. Yeah, yeah. for a holiday, yeah. So that's probably the biggest decision. Yeah, like Whitby or somewhere like that. Whitby? (laughs) 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 Whitby's all right. I've not been. Yeah, it's it's Dracula hangs out there. You like that? Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. Lots of hauntings going on. Yeah. Yeah. Is there? We're not very haunted. ghosts on this podcast. Oh, really? Well, the people. Yeah, you don't want to hear it. I used to talk about ghosts a lot on the podcast. <laughs> Did you get requests? Some people complained. Pipe down, boys. And then, yeah. we, then we put it to the vote, and the people said they wanted more ghost chat. But I've said that I'm going to step back from the ghost chat. Although we did say maybe we would 
ask guests if they had any ghost stories. Did you have a ghostbuster when you opened the restaurant? Like someone come oh. in and clear spirits and stuff? Or no, not? probably should have done. It was kind we of, can yeah. recommend a we, very good restaurant that exists. With, with, with every... Actually? Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Really? Yeah. yeah. It He's was a gift in the first... <laughs> the first in Honey & Co. It was a gift because uh, Cornelia, the general manager of Honey & Co., used to get this guy in there and when we opened Honey and Coat a gift, her gift for us for opening was for him to come and check out the spirit of the place before we started it's probably full of them with those walls and and we've been yeah. using using him since yeah. Really? yeah yeah do they tell you what who's there yeah, yeah he kind of he kind of comes and then he just like sits under the <laughs> stairs and checks his phone for a couple of minutes <laughs> and then we pay him and then he said okay I'll keep monitoring the situation from home right. and then he's got an app yeah, he's got yeah an app, basically yeah. and then like every so you know then you'll have you know the, you have like the crappy two days where the fridge goes down and all the team is sick and you know the customers you know you get horrible emails and all that stuff happens in two days it does and we're like oh yeah we need to call the exorcist <laughs> and then and then we Makes do sense. and he's mean. like sometimes I think sometimes he just like comes over but sometimes he would just like let me get back to you on that and he just like does it from home no, he comes most of the time. That sounds like a con to me, but if it works, then... But that's, Do you know that's what? awesome, though. Restaurateurs yeah. should have, you know, a fridge repair person, a drainage guy, ghost. Uh, and a Ghostbuster. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Whether, whether, you, whether he does anything or not doesn't matter because it makes us feel as if something We've is happening. Something. Because like, sometimes everything goes wrong, yeah. doesn't it? Like, it's just true. one of those things. I don't know if you haven't... That's why I've been a there's bit distracted because there's, there's a blockage pigeon. But, um. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, yeah. It, there's one part, the last part in the book is a really sad story about a friend of ours, but that talks about one of these nights where everything goes wrong. And you do just, like, feel, I just need to call someone to deal with this because my head cannot process so much stuff going so badly wrong. Yeah. I think the actuarial side of my brain would go, everything's gone wrong. And I've just paid two hundred pounds for a guy to come and sit on the stairs and look at his phone. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but like it doesn't matter. He's a sweetheart, really. And I he's... Wanna, let's get him on. Oh, yeah, just yeah. So get him on. That would be awesome. Yeah. See, and this is why occasionally ghost check can be good. You and yeah. have good drainage people. That's uh, really but, important. Yeah. But we this thought like for the longest time, Honey and Co. We would be working in the kitchen, and then we'd hear like from time to time like divine harps, Chimes. like that you have like flashback in movies it's like mm. and we were like oh my god the friendly ghost it's an angel and we were so happy about it and it's like it was there completely and like other people would hear it as well not just us yeah we were like oh my god it's so nice to have quite in the London College of Music angel. Either. yeah no we thought maybe there's a connection but it was just the, an old freezer that was there. Do you, do you know how they have this kind of strings at the back? Yeah. The, old, the really old and then style. Every time we would close it, all the strings would go like. <laughs> <laughs> we used to love it. It was so beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. We missed it. Bridget's where she saw a ghost there. Come on, Bridget's it, half cut off the chair. <laughs> she's half cut. She's tired. <laughs> She was our night baker. I think you can see ghosts uh, tonight. Yeah, yeah. The night baker. When you're bread wasn't the only thing she was baking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see, see a lot of things. Uh, right, we're going to do some quizzes. Yes. Is that all right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, the fir 
First one, overrated, underrated, or correctly rated. Okay. Fried chicken. Correctly rated. A bit overrated for me. No. Unless it's Bridget's one. The this same one that's Bridget. all the She does an amazing one, but I would never eat it out. Do you, any yeah. objections if I take photograph slash film? Any? No, no, no okay. absolutely. Correctly yeah. rated, absolutely. Okay, and slightly overrated for you. Unless it's Bridget's Unless one. it's Bridget's. Uh, duck eggs. Mm, a very topical question that we had last night Maybe for dinner. Yeah, it right? was dinner yeah. last night. Uh, Too steaky for me. It's really like yeah, it's quite a, a lot of flavor. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Well, I not not fried too much, poached or coddled, good. <laughs> and what about in baking? No, no need. No, no, too much. Too, too much. Yeah. Too much richness. Yeah. Nothing needs to be that rich. I agree. Uh, House plants. Completely we, the best thing in the they're world. The best thing. Oh, right? We have yeah. we have a lot. Yeah. Yeah, we have a little we, jungle. Yeah, we have a little, and they're all in the same place because we have one spot in the house where plants do well. Right. Because they get the sun and it's not on the heating. So they're all kind of bundled up in one square meter. But yeah, bring them. Secretly, yeah. we're dreaming of a garden or that our <laughs> neighbor downstairs dies and we take his garden. What? He's not going to listen. And. Uh, <laughs> He might. He might. Could you die and you give can. me the gun? <laughs> if you're listening, fucking die! Well, see, you get, get your exorcist, mate, and see if you can, can do something the other way. I don't way want to cause like, his death, but I just want his garden. The opposite of an exorcist. Like, yeah. don't make a ghost. Yeah, just send, send all the ones that yeah. he's taken from Honey and Co. and just drop them off at the downstairs That way. Um, French patisserie. Mm. Overrated, underrated, or correctly rated? Well, it's hard, isn't it? Probably overrated, but only because I think it's taken it to the extreme of style over substance. I yeah. think if you go to an amazing bakery that's doing beautiful kind of croissants and really nice macarons and stuff, that's really delicious. But so much shit is used in these things now. So many preservatives yeah. and colorings. And, oh, it's like, why? Food shouldn't I, I, be I, so... No, I have to say... No. Overrated. Overrated. I mean, I think the key things for us when we cook is is good, wholesome ingredients, which, you know, French patisserie, no, forget it. Mm. And freshness, which, again, no, forget it. Right. It's all you know. freezer. It's all, like... It's all frozen and it's all, you know, three-day shelves. Like, we never serve anything that's three days old. Never in a million years. Right. And we would never use any additives, any colorings, anything that's, you know, even the stuff. You need to be so fussy about what you put into people's food. Yeah. And what about technique-wise? That, you know, that sort of... You know, technique is, like, mix it, bake it. What the fuck? You know, it's not... It's <laughs> a cake massive is cake. bakery tomorrow. No, it's no not, but it is, it's, it's a bit of a cheat, isn't it, all the French stuff? Like, yeah. you have, like, a silicone mold for everything. Everything looks perfect. Yeah. There's no actual... The skill is growing less and less you know there's a, these companies you have like a macaroon powder you don't have to do anything you whip up the powder that's all you do you don't even yeah. like and then they're all perfect they all rise per- that's not a skill that's not you know yeah that's not learning the craft so yeah overrated all right fuck you that's right I like it final, yeah, no. final, <laughs> final one on the overrated and rated honey no, completely correctly rated. Correctly rated, honey. Like is even so like, uh, it's like, 
like I think people don't understand it even, like how much it can change a thing, how much using a local or just a really good honey can make a difference to what you're doing. I don't know that people know how much of the honey they consume is fake or adulterated, which is so sad because the good product is just amazing. And it's worth the expense. It's like a good olive oil. Like some things are worth investing in. Yeah. Good olive oil, good honey. What else? And it's like... it's good like flour. The, Yeah. Good flour is so important. So important, you know? You know, we were, we were just... We just came back from Denmark, from Copenhagen. We were doing a little... A pop-up dinner there, which was so much fun. <laughs> And uh, you're always a little bit like trepidatious when you go to these things like what kind of produce you're gonna get you're gonna get like tortilla stuff but we were lucky because they got everything nice 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 and then we do we did this bread the uh, sesame bread that in, that in that book that we do this bread every day and we just used the flour that they had on hand and then we tried it it was so delicious it was so good we said you know wh- wh- how like what happened here and it's an organic single kind of old grain flour delicious and it's just worth it and this is kind of yeah those don't yeah. can bake yeah I mean <sighs> yeah, they, they can, can they can bake so and delicious. they can grow wheat we came back with a five kilo bag of Danish organic flour mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true it's going to be a special yeah. babka nice what's uh, your sorry what's your go to flour uh, supplier or producer well we here, use Shifton Mill at the right. moment but I think that we're kind of talking and they're good they, yeah. they are good but it's like we're talking good. to a couple of people about potentially using all the grains it's about supply as well because the supply needs to come to London and we bake a lot yeah we use a lot of flour we make all our breads and all our so it's a lot so someone has to have enough of a, of yeah. a supply to, to stock what we would need and the second part of the quiz is the quiz so you flour. asked about honey and we told you all yeah. our opinions about flour Yes, so, uh, on point. Covered. Yeah. We're always on point. On brand, yeah. On yeah. brand. Yeah. 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 Um, so quick fire. Most romantic city? London. Is it? No, isn't I it? No. A city is not romantic. What is romantic is what you do in a place. Like, to me, Greece is still where we have the best It's time. It's a country. Yeah, I know, but, I can't, but what I'm saying is I can't pick... I've not been on any island that we've not had, like, the best time. Right. No? Like I, I think London's amazing. I don't think that any town that I've been to can light a candle to this place. I think it's amazing. What's the most romantic place in London other than your fine restaurants? Well, we just, crossed, we just crossed Waterloo Bridge. That was pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. It's just always beautiful, isn't it? You mm. just cross the bridge... And the whole city is kind of there. And the light just turns pink. This is like the best time of year. Yeah. Light turns pink. And Waterloo Bridge is good because you get the city on one side and then St. James's Park on the other side. It's really good. What's your most romantic city, James? Oh. <laughs> uh, well, Copenhagen, uh, maybe, because that's where my wife and I went for our first weekend away oh. as a couple. But London's pretty, you know... Yeah. It's good. London is very good. Copenhagen's amazing. I'm not gonna. Yeah, it's such a cool town. So And you'd probably fun. go to Chichester. But no, Chichester <laughs> is, is is a nice place to live. But no, I wouldn't not say romantic. It's super romantic. I suppose the cathedral and the cathedral gardens and stuff. I don't know. It's covered in scaffolding all the time. Um, quick so fire. You didn't so what answer is yours? the question. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, we all put ourselves in out New there. York when it's snowing. Mm. Really, I thought really? it was horrid when we were there in oh, January and. Slushy. 
was just so horrible. Uh, you know that you it's kind like of inch your way on the sidewalk. The park is good. Yeah, the so park was beautiful, but the rest of it was even like though, sludge, like, you know, coming from London, sludge. okay, yeah, no, sludge, no disrespect no to Central Park, but coming from London, it ruins parks for you everywhere in the world. Yeah, I look, kind of like Central Park though because it's in so many films that I watched when I was a kid. Yeah, it's true. So that kind of yeah. part of it's good fun. Yeah, um, pizza or pasta? Pasta for me. Yeah, I don't like pizza. No. Uh, oh. Favorite tinned food? Tuna. Tuna. Really? Mm. Why, what, why? No, I'm a fan of tuna, but a lot of people are like, ah, tin tuna, great. They have an amazing one right now. Yeah, we so didn't tasty. bring you, you know, this is the first time we know, never we, go. Because we came from a different place, we didn't bring you anything. It's anything. like oh, the worst well, you, people. You sent us a book, though, which yeah, I'm, that's I'm excited yeah. about cooking from. Um, right, you never have to sleep, or you have the ability to exactly choose when to fall asleep, when to wake up, and you feel fine when you wake up. You're not like groggy or whatever. So you have the choice. You either never, ever have to sleep, so you just never feel tired, or you can choose just to fall asleep and wake up. You can pick when it's going to happen, and you wake up and you feel fine. I would so never sleep if I could. Really? It's such a waste of time. No, I wouldn't sleep either, I guess. Even though sleeping is... You don't is, sleep now. What are you yeah. talking about? Can I ask a detail? Yeah. You never have to sleep, but are you able to sleep if it's like, oh, it's two in the morning and actually I'm uh, a bit bored? No, no, no. no, no. Like you, you, just, you don't have you the ability go. to sleep, so you're just All awake. Different. But you're fine, you're like yeah, yeah, totally. sharp. You just, if you if I wouldn't feel it, I wouldn't bother. And, and energised and all the rest. No. Yeah, no, if, if there was no sleep in the world, say. Yeah. No, if other people would sleep and I would be yeah. fine, think how much I would you get You still wouldn't sleep, you would love it. Like anyway, no, no, no. Like, Lose. But you, when you get bored at like... No, yeah, we, have three like, we have got like so much to do. No, and I'll never get bored. I will be so happy with the time. But, uh, I mean, sleeping is the number one pleasure of, of existence yeah mm, especially in the morning which do you pick uh, I'd still go for the not sleep right yeah yeah it's, an, it's yeah. A like, why, why creeping, around, creeping yeah. around at three in the morning that's what I was doing this before this morning yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you feel good yeah th- that's the only reason you sleep isn't it yeah because you need your body is like oh my god I need to stop now if you didn't feel that that would be amazing I mean, it will be. How many be, more books we would have? <laughs> no, but it, it is uh, like the going to bed at night and the kind of waking up in the morning is one of the most magical, delightful things about being alive and human. When so, it works, yeah. 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 When it so works. So it's a shame to not have that pleasure. But there will be other pleasures. So <laughs> True that. I don't know how to answer the question. Um, what annoys you the most about. The other. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> how, how long have you got? Yeah, no, it's like. A Can we do pieces, like top yeah. seven or no, top seventeen? Any nastiness or anything that's you're, you're going to walk out of here? Going, I can't believe you said that. So. No, no, we know we know everything so, about yeah. each other. It's not. A, Pick one. <laughs> okay, you socks. go first, and then I go. Uh, see how. Socks. I hate socks everywhere. Socks. Really? Mean, if this was like the one thing, your socks. This is such a wearing. I don't know. He's only got two feet. Like, how is it possible that everywhere I walk, there's dirty socks of his, and coffee cups? He's a bit messy, is what I'm saying. Socks in coffee cups, because that. Oh yeah, but wow! If he did that, he would get sock for breakfast. (laughs) But uh, yeah, his messiness is probably because I'm a bit of a freak. And that's probably what annoys him. Okay, so if I say her personality now, I come off as petty. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. Petty the socks, the personality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
No, but that's actually quite good. If this is the the worst thing what, in your, your life, yeah. you're pretty messy though. No, but still, it's a good situation for you to be in. Is it tomorrow messy in the kitchen? Yes, he's messy Ooh. everywhere, which oh. is why we don't work together in the kitchen. He's <laughs> very, very fast. I think I'd be scared of you. No, no, I'll, I'll give him. He's very, very fast, and his food is delicious, but like. I did not like to clean up all the time. How long, how long um, after opening Honey & Co did you manage before getting a KP just to clean up after him? At home, I wish I had one at home. <laughs> just a live-in KP, that would be, that, would be that, is, that is the, the dream. The ultimate, like, yeah. At work, KPs help a lot mm. to, to kind of mitigate the... Yes, what am I, uh, apart from my I'm personality, not, yes. yeah. It is horrid. Okay, and the best trait in the other. What I like about her is that she's only about having fun. Like, there's no bullshit there, and we're not doing anything because we have to or because it'll be worth it just about fun. And it's a kind of a quality... You know, there's, we don't waste time. This is kind of the one life we have. And then we just have, we just do fun things or, you know, interesting things. And this, I enjoy this about you. Mm. I don't know if I've said that. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> Tender Aww. moment. Um, what do I like about you? I have to think much harder. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I really like his way with words because he can put like words something that I can't describe so the stories he writes all the beautiful kind of intros in the books and all the stories and just talking as well he's able to to express things in a way that I have never had the ability to do and I think that's amazing to have whether it's written or spoken Oh, also lovely that's so sweet that feels like a nice note to end on yeah. indeed thank you so much for thank coming you. thanks for having us. thank you very much for your time listeners listen up the new book Honey Coat at Home Middle Eastern Recipes from Our Kitchen is out now and available in fine bookstores everywhere. And online. And online. Yeah. Thank you. Pleasure, guys. Goodbye. Thank you so much for having us. Bye.